All right, y'all, welcome to another episode of the Good News Cast. It's good to be with you. Uh, if you are a first-time listener joining the number one podcast in Redeemer's Building, uh, my name is Colin Coates here with Jeff uh, Hatton, uh, Senior Pastor of Redeemer. And we've been going through a series, The Church is About, talking about what the church should be about biblically, what we hope the church we serve, Redeemer, is about here in Waco. Um, and uh, I think we're on maybe part four of that. Um, before we get into it, uh, quick updates, especially if you are a part of the Redeemer family um, here in Waco, part of our, our church body, we have suspended all activities um, uh, large gatherings, small gatherings on and off campus through March 28th. So it's going to cover this coming Sunday, uh, March 22nd. Through March 28th, you can expect um, regular updates every one or two days. We are monitoring everything hourly. We are very, very, very aware of everything going on. Uh, we've got in-house medical uh, doctors and professionals that we're consulting um, as well as all the information you get uh, and, and trying to make the best decisions uh, we can uh, in love for you and one another. Uh, so uh, stay updated with that and also giving. So uh, a large portion of our church body, of you, uh, if you are part of Redeemer, uh, you give in person on Sundays faithfully, and we're incredibly thankful for that. Um, right now, when we're not meeting in person, it's going to make it difficult to give in person. And I shouldn't have to parse that out too much more. Um, so there are two easy ways you can give. You can go to our website right now on your phone or computer, tablet, whatever. Go to RedeemerWaco.org. In the top right, there is a tab that says Give. Click that tab. I think then you click another tab that says Give on the homepage, and it's going to take you to... Um, a place where you can give online right there. Uh, Tithes and Offerings is the account, the fund that is for just general giving. Uh, So you can give right there. You can also mail checks uh, to our building. We're checking our mail, depositing checks, uh, things of that nature. 2501 Redeemer Way, Waco, Texas, 76712. Let me assure you, Redeemer is going nowhere during this time. And so what that means is we are still totally supported um, by your faithful giving. So thank you for how you give, um, and, and uh, please continue to give, whether it's online uh, or mailing in your tithes and offerings. So with that being said, uh, we are going to talk about uh, one thing Jeff has been saying for months now at Redeemer, is that Redeemer is entering a new era, uh, a new era. And so I want to let Jeff kind of talk about some of the history of Redeemer um, and what it specifically means for for the new era. Great. Okay, so you want me to just start with like a brief history? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, whatever you want. Okay, let's do that. Um, so I love history, but just when you said history, I did yawn. You did? So <laughs> tread lightly. Okay, okay. All right, so how, how did Redeemer begin? Uh, I would say it actually it began uh, in Dallas uh, with an elder at a church called Park City's Presbyterian Church. Uh, he... Um, had been praying that God would plant a gospel-driven church in Waco. Uh, And that was not on anyone's church planning map. There wasn't even a network yet of what's called the Southwest Church Planning Network. So he just started praying as an elder, a leader in Dallas at the church called Park Cities for that to happen. Uh, About a year later, 
Um, a network started being formed within that church by Skip Ryan, who was the senior minister at that church, and wanted to pool the resources of the Southwest, churches all throughout the Southwest, to come together and start planting gospel churches throughout the Southwest. So they started planning that, doing that, and wouldn't you know it that the first church to be put on the map would be Waco, Texas. Uh, then uh, Nancy and I leave Boston, and we come down to start seminary. And um, Irv Queel, we got to know him, this elder. I was teaching in the Sunday school, and he came up to me one Sunday and said, Jeff, I'm praying that God sends you to plant a church in Waco, Texas. And I said, Irv, um, do not pray that prayer because I am not going to Waco, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew and at that time thought that uh, we would be heading back up to New England, uh, bringing a gospel-driven vision uh, back to that area that I had been serving in for so long, and then beyond that was overseas and unreached areas. So my heart was with unreached folks, folks that actually haven't heard the gospel. So the thought of actually going to Waco into an overchurched area with the gospel was mm-hmm. actually kind of appalling to me at that mm-hmm. time. Uh, so now we know who actually God listens to, whose prayers actually God hears. Because when my wife heard that, she, Nancy, she was like, oh, I want us to go, honey. I want to go back uh, to Waco. She graduated from Baylor. Okay. Uh, when we met overseas, she actually said that Boston, she was in Moscow. I was in a place called Almata. She said that Boston was more culturally, um, it took more cultural adjustments in Boston than it did for her in Moscow. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So she was not exactly thrilled about going back up into the New England area. Um, So she prayed, Irv prayed, and then uh, two years later, uh, we are planning a church in Waco, Texas. So when we came down here... um, some folks had told us that a Reformed church would never make it, and that actually was the turning point for me actually feeling called to come here. Isn't that crazy? So God does work over through beyond uh, whatever motivations we might have. I was not interested at the time. Uh, I, As a courtesy, the guy that was leading it uh, of the network, he wanted me to come down to a vision trip. I was just like, no, I really... I'm either going back to New England or or might stay at Park Cities. Um, so he brings me down, and this this one particular person that he introduced us to said, you know, a Reformed church will never make it here. A gospel church will never make it here. And uh, the leader, uh, Brad, um, Brad Bradley, was like, oh, no, don't tell him that. And then when we got in the car, he's like, don't listen to them. That wasn't what we were, that's not true, yada, yada. And I said, Brad, I think I might be being called to come to Waco. <laughs> challenge. Challenge me and I'm up for yeah, it. That's how yeah. God works, right? Uh, so we get here. We have a. Um, we uh, started uh, just by, we arrived, I think, in August and uh, began to just start August of 98, just started making friends, having gospel conversations. And then a couple weeks later, we're meeting in um where were we? We were at Providence. We had a meeting in Providence. We started a large group meeting there. It grew very, very quickly. So the powers that be up in Dallas said, you've got to start public worship. Mm-hmm. And so that's how this thing started rolling. 
I tell people now, when I look back on these years, I say, uh, my philosophy of church planning, or, you know, Jeff, how did you do it? What did you think? This is the first church of the network. I say, basically, I failed my way into planning a church, Mm -hmm. that God just simply built this thing. In fact, right before we came here, um, I went to a mentor of mine, Dr. John Hanna, and said, all right, they're giving me two years, and then the funds run out. It's over. So I was feeling that pressure and feeling that anxiety. All right, I've got two years worth of money, and then it's done. I've already been told uh, a church will never make it here, a Reformed church. In fact, the one that tried to happen in the 90s or the 80s didn't make it. Uh, so feeling the pressure, and he said, Jeff, here, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, i got two years. I gotta, I've got two kids and a third on the way while we're moving down there, and we end up having four, and now we have five, right? So I'm like, Ah, what am I doing, Dr. Hannah? And he said, Jeff, here's what you're doing. Uh, you're going to see if God will build his church. And if he does, fantastic. And if he doesn't, hey, there's always coaching. <laughs> and that just calmed me. Mm-hmm. I knew that God was building this church. So we came here believing that God would do it or he wouldn't do it. And the pressure was off because mm-hmm. God does it. In fact, about two years later, I called him one time and just said, say, hey, Dr. Hannah, how are you doing? And his response kind of typifies, again, this reassurance that God does the work. He says, you know, Jeff, God has been pleased to give me a ministry. And again, he just resets me. He resets me all the time I talk to him Mm -hmm. because he, he was saying that you don't take a ministry. You don't make a ministry happen. Mm -hmm. You don't take a church. You don't plan a church. You don't make a church happen. Uh, God actually gives it to you. Yeah, God actually does it. So that, again, lots of relief of pressure. Um, so anyhow, that's how we got here. Uh, we were told by our real estate agent that, you know, that she found out eventually she's going to ask you, you know, what do you do? And I was waiting for the shoe to drop. And I said, well, I'm here to plant a church. And she goes, you're a pastor. Oh, you're going to love it here. We call Waco Jerusalem on the Brazos. And Nancy, under the table, kicked me because she knew <laughs> that that was just going to turn me off yeah, so yeah, much. Because, yeah. you know, again, I'm like, oh, my word. Well, yeah. I, I was struggling. Like, why am I here again? Why are we here? When we began our first large group meeting, we would pass churches right and left. Uh, this is one of the most uh, demographically heavy church per mm-hmm. acre, per population in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, three churches, actually, their properties touched each other. So, again, an overchurched reality was like, oh, my word, why am I here? But God continued. He started with me. He started with a gospel vision on me that just started reaching the roots of my very being and changing me and changing the way I see the world, changing my relationships, changing my parenting, changing my view of leadership, changing my view of ministry. And it was that gospel revolution, it was that gospel renewal that was taking place that was beginning to now, what would a church look like? That a bunch of people started getting the roots of their being reached by good news, not good advice, Mm -hmm. by the power of Jesus and his salvation alone. Um, what, What would that look like? And so that drove me, has continued to drive me. The church has been set on that vision to uh, 
see gospel growth in people, to see the gospel reach and renew as many lives as possible um, in Waco from the very beginning. And all we're doing now is actually uh, filling that out. We're actually now looking at Waco more intentionally as the, the vineyard, the potential vineyard for a gospel movement, the potential vineyard for the grape of the gospel to run, mm-hmm. to multiply, to bear fruit all over Waco. And so when we talk about a new era, we're actually talking about now an invitation for our church and an invitation uh, for any uh, in Waco to be a part of a gospel movement to see that happen. Okay, so so kind of real quick, this was about 20 years ago you planted. How yeah. quickly did you hit 100 people, gathering 100 people consistently? That that probably happened within the first three years. Okay. Yeah. So then the first three years you hit 100, which I was just looking like a week ago. The I think, I don't, I don't remember the data, but I think it's something like 50%. It's a massive amount of churches are are basically like a hundred people or less. Yeah. So, so pretty quickly you right. are already the typical normal average size of a church across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you, do you think you hit maybe 200? That was a, that was a major 200 is probably the biggest size culture uh, change mm-hmm. that can happen in a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, zero to 40 is a home church. And when we're talking about size culture, y'all, we're, we're not putting any moral, uh, value on a size culture. Size culture of a church is just, it's what a church is. This is the demographics of what a size culture looks like, right? Uh, we're not moralizing uh, the small church, not moralizing the big church as being better or whatever. Okay, right. so please hear that. Zero to 40 is a home church, and that's obviously everybody knows each other, and it's more of a family church. Uh, 40 to 200 is a small church. Uh, to break the 200 uh, things must change. Mm-hmm. And so about eight years ago, we hit the 200 to 400, which okay. is a medium-sized church. What did you, when you were going into that new, things change just by sheer, uh, like the, there's just there's just more people, there's more going on, things have to change in terms of how you operate as a body of believers. Um, were there, can you think of any changes that may or may not have happened about eight years ago when you moved into like a new size culture? Was anything implemented new or, um, or lack thereof? Yeah. Yeah. What, what tends to happen and, and it did happen. I, I mentioned earlier that I've, I've failed my way into planning a church, right? I, what tends to happen is, uh, when you move from small church to medium sized church, uh, you bring small church mindset and small church trellis, small mm-hmm. church uh, system into place that gets absolutely stressed out now because it was designed for zero to 200 people or 150 people, and now it's into the 200 to 400 people. So it's absolutely stressed out. So your systems as an organization are supposed to connect people mm-hmm. meaningfully to God. And that's what we started out with, with the gospel, connect people meaningfully to each other and then connect people meaningfully uh, to mission uh, in Waco with the gospel. So what happened at that time and at the eight years, we did not transition uh, to a larger church trellis. So we had a small church trellis trying to support a medium, okay. about an extra 100 to 
200 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it completely stressed our system. Okay, so a small example of this, just to kind of bring it to the ground. So for instance, if you're a home church of 40 people, or or let's just say you're a church of, of 75 people, or 100 people, you meet on Sundays, and you have like a, a worship leader, uh, worship music leader who, who does the music, and maybe you've got, I don't know, five kids on a Sunday morning, you probably don't need a built-out system like the Software Planning Center uh, to be able to organize and communicate about your music and to organize and communicate about your volunteers. Because you're so small, you're so tight together that, I mean, the senior pastor could practically organize some of that or just some quick text messages with the worship music leader and some quick text with the children's volunteer puts it all together. Now, to give you an idea of how a system has to change, well, let's bump that up to 200. Let's bump it up to 300 where you've got 50 kids on a Sunday morning and you've got three electric guitarists who rotate in and out and you've got two bassists and you've got two drummers and three vocalists, right? Well, suddenly now you need a system that supports the fact that you just are bigger and you have more people operating together. Boom. You might need something like planning center to help organize. Yeah. The aim and the goal never changed. Whether you are 15 people on Sunday or 4,000, the aim and the goal never changed. Glorify God, preach the good news here's the grape, grow the grape, produce the wine. The trellises, the supporting systems had to change because you're going to wind up in a world of hurt. Mm -hmm. If you implement, we were talking about this before we started recording. If you do a small church method in a big church, and and you pointed this out and I had already written it down before we started, Hmm. people can feel like they're not cared for because in a small, in a church of 50 or a hundred you can talk with someone about an idea and they can go do that idea, but you never get within like a quarter of a mile with of one another. You're right. just always in your, your atmosphere. You're always in your same close circle. If you have 300 people, someone that you hardly know their last name yet yeah. comes and has an idea. If, if you're like, go and run and implement it, you may never see them yes. again right. for any substantial amount of time for two months and then it's very easy and valid for that person yeah, in their world without a doubt, to bro. feel like, does anyone care about me? And yes. it's like, no, we do. We just haven't, like, the, it's painful to say it. Whatever whatever church I'm talking about, yeah. Redeemer or not, the painful reality is we're, implement, we're acting like a small church and we're not. Right. And so people feel like there's bad communication. They don't feel cared for. They don't feel connected. Right. Um, that's right. And some people can fall through the cracks, yeah. right? Because you have a system that's not able to support a greater yeah. number of people. It's just simple facts. So that transition is what we have been going through and are uh, calling like this new era yeah. of Redeemer yeah. because we're finally, finally, <laughs> for the first time in these past eight years, putting in, actually intentionally focusing on and actually having someone called, gifted, praying, who's thinking about it, who is skilled to do it, to help me and the leadership of this church lead and manage Redeemer as an organization, as a ministry uh, that can connect 
more and more people to God, that can connect more and more people to one another, and can connect more and more people to Waco and Mission. And so uh, that is why this is a new era, and it is a uh, the gospel is actually the land is Waco, and a vineyard is being put in place. Uh, Paul would say, like in Colossians, he says, oh, pray, pray that God would open doors for the gospel. I and firmly believe this is part of what he means, that God practically opens doors for the gospel, meaning yeah. like he puts me in prison, right, so that he opens the door to the praetorium guard of, of Rome. Uh, that's an open door, yeah. and so that's a system that got put in place, right? Yeah. He is now ministering to the praetorium guard. Yeah. Uh, so that's where I feel so hopeful, so encouraged, and actually, for the sake of the gospel, absolutely thrilled that that is beginning to happen right now. Yeah, so to, to, to kind of speak to that, someone, I can't remember who it was, it must have been a ministry or something, but to kind of speak to the open doors, the, the system, they were talking about money, maybe it was another ministry, but they were saying, hey, if the money's not there, then it's just not there. Like, we can't do ministry if the money's not there to support this or pay this person or whatever it is, right? And of mm. course, we trust God with that flow. Correct. But even in a sense, that is, that's not so much of a system as it is... Um, God works through these very earthly, ordinary, normal means. Without right? a doubt. So again, the aim is the same. We're going to connect people to God, connect people to one another, get the gospel out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Redeemer, just to kind of speak to this new era thing, Redeemer, right now we can, on a high Sunday, be just over 300. Um, I don't I don't know what what we are, uh, what our average is right now. But we, we, for years, if I look at our numbers, which I've seen some of the history, mm-hmm. we, it seems to be hit this glass ceiling yeah. around that 300 mark, uh, maybe even that 350 mark. Mm-hmm. And, um, and some of the things that when I started kind of functionally working full time here, maybe 12, 13, 14 months ago, yeah. um, that was one of the biggest things I saw that it seemed like, okay, we're, we haven't implemented, we're doing ministry. Yes. We're doing, we were just talking about some of this. We are doing ministry. We have people who love to do ministry, love to serve one another, work incredibly hard. Yeah. Um, great, Heroes for the gospel. Great ministry yeah. going on. Right. But one of the biggest things I saw is that, that it, it doesn't look like, it looks like it's maybe been a while since someone stepped outside the chaotic jungle of ministry, let's use the grape uh, thing. It yeah. looks like everyone's been working hard in the vineyard and working to produce good wine, but it looks like it's been a while since someone stepped outside the vineyard and said, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like as we were putting those trellises up, we're encroaching on the neighbor's land. It's not even our land to be in, <laughs> right. you know? Right. Those trellises look phenomenal, but we don't, we can't even go there. Or... Yeah. Hey, as we've been focusing on these two trellises, hey, these other seven are dilapidated. They are done for. They are not producing the 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 seeds that we're planting beneath them. Or however, yeah. again, I'm gonna sound like an idiot if I talk <laughs> about wine. Sound like a horticulturist, but right. So we're all head down yeah. working. Um, and and I just quickly observed it doesn't look like anyone's been working on the ministry as a whole, yeah. on the vineyard as a whole to organize it and look at every single trellis and look at where they are, look at whole plots of land yeah. that, well, hey, did, did anybody, we, we got a half acre here that yeah. we could start producing serious wine. Um, so to me, that's a lot of what I've been kind of focusing on is trying to unify 
um, uh, the ministry of Redeemer as a whole. And I know we're getting real specific for Redeemer members. Sure. If you live in Alaska right now, um, thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> RedeemerWaco.org, top right, give. Um, That's right. But uh, I, trying to bring unity and cohesion to everything we do, right? Yeah. Are we, are we, should we be doing this? Are we any good at this? Yeah. Um, is this within our resources? Do we have the right manpower? Do we have the manpower now, but we probably won't in six months and then we'll, yeah. right? Do, are we all working together? That's been a big thing. And, and that speaks to the clarity of what we're about, what we care about. Um, it, 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 trying to put in place clarity of who leads what and who does what. And honestly, I think from the bottom up, if I'm a normal congregation member and I I don't even go so far as to volunteer, I at least want to know who to call or text or contact yeah. to figure whatever it is out. Right. You know, or at least I want to be able to contact someone who says, "Hey, I'm the right person to contact," but we don't know just yet. Sit tight. That's right. And um, just the the amount of clarity that comes when you start recognizing okay, we've got 300, 350 people that call Redeemer home. We are not a small church. Mm -hmm. That's just a fact. And if we act like it, uh, we will continue to create a sense and a feeling in people like, oh, I'm not cared for. It's like, no, 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 no. You are cared for beyond belief. That's right. There's two things that happen, and I've heard it over and over again. You know, it might be, I'm not cared for, I don't know how to plug in. Yeah. Right? Yeah, And that's that's... That's what we're, I'm so excited that's actually being turned around. And so what ends up happening when this happens, you have, you actually empower and free leaders to run. Right. And you actually create greater unity. The vision and the values of the church actually become a culture when this happens. If the system, if the trellis and the grape are lined up and it starts running in a vineyard, there's a culture that's created amongst the leaders and amongst the members and the active attenders. I mean, regular attenders, there's just the, the culture. It's the taste, it's the smell, it's the aroma of the church. So the vision and values of a gospel aroma actually begin to be um, saturated and to use our to use our metaphor a little more pushing it, intoxicating, right? It actually grips you. Yeah. Uh, and then there's clear embodied ways to connect uh, to one another, to God, uh, to Waco and mission. And that's the healthiness of the church. Yeah. And um, so again, I'm excited because uh, the gospel actually is having systems and trellis put in place to run and triumph, to actually see a gospel movement take place. So the invitation, the new era, is to be a part of a gospel movement yeah, and to have clear ways in which you can be a part of this. Yeah. Uh, one, one quick example, and then we'll wrap it up. All this stuff with uh, the coronavirus. You know, one thing I've seen is that more than ever, people want their organization, whether it's a church or Baylor University here in our backyard, but I'll speak to Redeemer more than ever, they want you to be on top of it. They want us to be on our A game. They want us to be unified. They want cohesion. They want clear as day communication, right? They want it to be like, you know, you guys seem to deal with coronavirus once a year, right? Um, <laughs> they demand it of the government, right? That's what's happening right now yeah. with the government too. Yeah. And so, uh, one a big part of this to use that as an example is to to operate in such a way 
that we look like we are as serious about what we do on a daily basis as we are as serious about helping our church work through coronavirus time, right? That it's not like most of the time um, my church seems to kind of... go with the flow of the wind or, or just, you know, nothing is taken like too seriously in terms of being an organization. Yeah. Right. Um, but then man, when coronavirus hits, I, that's what I need. Yeah. But the reality is, is that every single day in the church world, we are dealing with life and death mm-hmm. every single day. We are dealing with the message of the gospel getting out to more and more people. We are dealing with people building friendships with one another to serve and support one another when coronavirus strikes, right? So the reality is every single day, we've got serious, joyful, fun, exciting, difficult, hard work to be doing. And and to me, this is just like, yeah, the way that we're as a church trying to respond to this unprecedented pandemic yeah, I want us to be prepared for that in normal life. Yeah. You know, where we've got the systems and the structures in place where people know these are my leaders. This is how they're working through it. I trust them. I trust their communication, their clarity, yep. et cetera. And yep. the great thing about Redeemer, last thing I'll say is a lot of times I think it's easy to, to lead with this, to lead with an obsession for trellises and forget that you don't even have a grape. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, dude, we brought raisins, you know? It's like, dude, that's not even the gospel. Just shut your doors. Um, we have the grape. We have the, the man, I mean, the heart, the vision, the grape, the leaders, the people. To me, it's like the easy work of being like, hey, look at this trellis. It'll make us rich selling a lot of bottles of wine yeah oh just the trellis that's all we need that's all we need Mm -hmm. we've got the seeds the grape the vine it's all there right yeah to me that's like the easy work anyways um without a doubt bro and that that what you're touching on is this new era this excitement of yeah yeah you know when you and i met and we had this conversation that it was like i am for the first time in redeemer's history this is actually going to happen yeah so i'm incredibly excited all right, um, that's all we got for today. I think we're on day five or six of the time of Corona, as Mockingbird Ministry calls it. Um, again, uh, if you are a part of Redeemer, just as a reminder, um, many, many, many of you give in person, uh, and we want to be asking you to give by mail or online. 2501 Redeemer Way, Waco, Texas, 76712. You can mail your checks. We're checking it. Uh, constantly for our mail and and your tithes and offerings. And then also online, redeemerwaco.org. Top right, click give, click give again. Uh, tithes and offerings fund is where you can continue to give your uh, tithes and offerings as you faithfully do. And we're so thankful for that. And we want to make that as easy as possible in these wild, unique times. Uh, until next time, peace. peace.